I get to welcome back Shannon Bream, one of my favorites. Hi, Shannon. How are you? Hi. Um, I'm great. Thank you for having me back. I am honored. Honored to have you. And, you know, the last time that uh, you were on, I don't know if you remember this, but we were, it, it was it was April of 2001, and we were all dealing with our world shutting down at the time. Yeah. We did this, and you, yeah. were, you were home at the time uh, mm-hmm. that we did this, so. Yeah, we we did most of our shows from home for a good year and a half, um, almost two years. So you were back in my messy office, sorry, (laughs) at work here at Fox, but we're back in the studio for the most part. And um, yeah, I remember it was a really different world. I think we're all hoping that's well in the rearview mirror. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's great to have you back. Um, So we were talking about women of the Bible speak. And um, Mm -hmm. today we're going to be talking about another new book that you have coming out. Um, fits really well with with our audience and the show's theme of hope. And we're talking about love today. And the new book mm-hmm. is The Love Stories of the Bible Speak. Um, mm-hmm. I was just watching, this This kind of fits in a little bit. I, I caught this, uh, you just recently did an interview with Benjamin Hall, who is a mm-hmm. Fox News correspondent. He was severely injured in an attack in Ukraine. And he was talking about even even when the attack happened, he immediately was focused on returning to his family. And in that interview, mm-hmm. you mentioned that it was a love story. And I love that. I caught that because I'm reading your book at the time, but I caught that and I thought that was really cool because that's the theme of your new book is is love. Yeah. So it is. And you think about Benjamin and his wife, Alicia, um, she was a guiding light for him yeah. and his girls, his three young daughters, and just getting back to his family and the love of his family, even across all those miles as they were apart, um, was really important and very much a sustaining hope for him. And, you know, the thing I love about the Bible is we do have these very specific love stories. I think about Ruth and Boaz and Mary and Joseph and Adam and Eve, you know, the perfect plan that God had for us and and how we're called to sacrifice for each other and respect each other. And, you know, there's so much there about love and marriage and romance. And, you know, sometimes Christians don't really delve into that or think the Bible says much about that, but God created all of it. Like we're not surprising him with anything. Like he created this for us, but really I think the Bible, the entire thing is God's love story to us about um, it's unconditional and it's all consuming and he wants to be right with us and he wants to be in relationship with us. So it's really a story of how he showed us his love in so many different ways, just so he could connect with us and redeem and give us that hope. Yeah. So true. And and throughout the book, I just finished reading Love Stories of the Bible Speak, and which, by the way, will be released on Tuesday, um, March 28th. So make sure you get it pre-ordered. Um, but what I, what I loved about that was, so in, in your book, you have chosen some familiar relationships that most of us have, have heard and know. Uh, but I love how you pull out some nuggets of truth in each story that sometimes get overlooked. For example, uh, you talked about Mary and Joseph, and you gave Joseph's perspective on being Jesus' earthly father. I think so many mm-hmm. times we read over that, and every story that you had had those nuggets of truth that really added uh, a dimension to it, that really fulfilled what you're trying to do is, is just show God's love for us through these stories. I hope so, and I'm glad that came through. But I always think about Mary and Joseph and think, rightfully, there's a ton of focus on her and this divine role and assignment that she was given. Um, 
But I always think about Joseph and think, gosh, he was thrown into this too. Um, he could have walked away from Mary. He chose to stay and to try to protect her and protect her reputation and to take on this assignment of raising the Messiah. So this young boy would never be his child biologically. So I asked the question, is he like the world's greatest stepdad? Because I had a stepdad along with my father. So Joseph is raising the son of God, but he has to be a provider and a father and a disciplinarian and all of these things. But first he has to pledge to stay with Mary and protect her through some real threats um, before Jesus is born and after he's born too. And so I thought, gosh, Joseph is really modeling for us too that sacrificial committed love that um, I think it was time to give him a little bit more credit maybe than he usually gets. Yeah, he is kind of overlooked, but, but there's some really amazing things. You know, we have an adoption story, so I really focus on the fact that Jesus was really adopted by Joseph. And so many of those little yeah. things that if you really allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, those things will come out. And you helped us to do that through these these stories that you have, which I love. Um, the Bible, as you said, the Bible is full of, I mean, it's it's a love story of, of God to us. And um, the individual stories are filled with dysfunction, um, which a lot of people, if, if you <laughs> yeah. don't, if you're not a believer or if you don't read your Bible, Maybe you think that the Bible is this clean. It, it is anything but clean. It is dysfunctional, just like our world. Um, if you share the same dysfunctions that I have in my life, um, you know, those stories, you, you had those stories and you shared those dysfunctional things and really brought the stories together. Yeah, and I think that should be encouraging to all of us it, that even through the messiest ones, the mistakes, the disobedience, the wrong path, God always can redeem and use those. And I, to me, that's encouraging because I'm far from perfect. I ask for forgiveness every day, and I'm glad to know that God can use whatever you know things I do that get off track. Obviously, I'm I'm working and fighting and trying to follow Him every day. But even where I've messed up in my life, I mean, there's possibilities that He can work through that. Now, some of these are really disastrous relationships. You know, I went in and said, we got to include Samson and Delilah, because I think that's one of the romance, bad romance stories that people will know or be familiar with. But yeah. I'd forgotten that Samson was married before he ever met Delilah. And that was a big disaster as well. Yes. But the funny thing is, when you go back even further and you look at Samson's parents, they were a beautiful example of a godly couple that respected and cared for each other, that took on this assignment that God gave them. They, you know, had a visit from the angel of the Lord telling him about the son that was coming and how he would be set apart and have these very special vows over his life. And they were united in that. Um, the angel first came to Samson's mom. She went and told his father and we never see the father belittle or question her at all. He's like, okay, the Lord has spoken to you. They were clearly in a, in a marriage that was a real partnership. And um, so we see a faithfulness in their marriage, but then we see Samson and it's like, he's got these amazing vows over his life because God gives him superhuman strength when he needs it to wipe out Israel's enemies. And he also struggles with, it, it appears to be sort of a lust of the flesh issue. He goes after this first wife that is not in accord with what God has called him to do. He hasn't even had a conversation with her, but he's sure that's the one for him. He's seen her. She must have been very beautiful. And he says to his parents, get her for me. That's who I want. And so um, we see that he really gets off track. So that ends disastrously. But then, you know, comes Delilah decades later. And again, he's still struggling. He's abandoning these vows that he's made to God. He's allowing sin slowly and then more, you know, in a more pronounced way to come into his life until he's pretty much abandoned every bit of this vow that he had before God. And it's his complete downfall. 
But what I love with Samson is that although there's the worst romance story in the Bible, and I'm not sure it was romance on her end, he was crazy about her, but she was undoing. Um, In those last moments of his life, he, he asked God one more time to give him favor so that he could serve God and his purposes in his kingdom. And God delivered on that. So even when we get really off course, whether it's in a relationship or something else, God can still redeem all of that. And that's a perfect example of why I love this book so much is because in every story we see a God who understands, a God who's there to meet us where we are, um, a God who wants the best for us. You know, we live in a sinful world. He's not taken back by the fact that you and I are imperfect. Um, he used all these people. He used. We look at the disciples and how dysfunctional they were, um, but he chose them. And so that should bring us a lot of comfort, a lot of uh, yeah. make us feel like when we get up in the morning, it's okay. God's got this. And so, um, so thank you for doing that. I love that. And that was one of the stories that I wanted you to um, actually talk about. Another one, even as a kid, I always loved the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, Me too. Yeah, there's so much to glean from that story. Um, I think for me, my takeaway has always been always do what's right in God's eyes no matter what. That was kind of a, that's kind of a theme that you can have as a kid, even through your adulthood, you know, always do the right thing. Um, and God will honor that. You shared another takeaway, and that was about their friendship, because it wasn't just Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but it was also Daniel. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about that? Because let me back up here. You're, so you're talking about, um, you have some, let me see what we have here, uh, seven, it looks like seven chapters on romantic love, six yeah. chapters on friendship love. This one fell into friendship love. And I love how you, you mm-hmm. brought that into this whole story that I've read thousands of times. Yeah, and I love the story too. Like you, it's something that really um, I connected with as a kid because it does give you these choices between right and wrong and sticking together and kind of this power of community and of spiritual accountability and community that we can support each other, you know, through things like this. So Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were all taken Hebrew young men who were like the finest, carried off by King King Nebuchadnezzar, mouthful there, to Babylon. And we see that he very... um, you know, craftily wants to wipe away their identity as Hebrew young men. Um, He wants to change the language they're allowed to use, the food they're allowed to eat, all of these things that were central to their identity. And he wants to, listen, he sees them as wonderful specimens, brilliant young men. He wants to put them in service to him as King Nebuchadnezzar. So these men are chosen for that. And there are tests all along the way. They decide at one point they don't want to eat the food that has been offered to idols, to false gods, their God, the God of the Hebrew people. And they say to them, um, Daniel says to one of the leaders, like, listen, we're not going to do this. And we're asking that you just let us eat our foods, which, you know, eventually is just going to be vegetables and water, essentially, because they don't want any of the meat or the wine that's been offered to the false gods. And the guy in charge of them is worried. He's like, oh, I don't want the king to come back and see you in a few days and realize like, oh, these guys are weak and out of shape. And I'm supposed to be getting you into the very best shape to be in service to him. And they persuaded him. And at the end, they were such better specimens than everybody else with their special diet that they had had, that it proved to them, um, proved to the to the naysayers who wanted to strip them of their food and their identity and everything right. else, um, that they could actually be um, very uh, high-performing, high-achieving, brilliant, physically strong guys doing things God's way. So, you know, down the road, a much more serious situation when Nebuchadnezzar puts together this huge golden idol that he says, 
everybody, when they hear the music, has to bow down and worship. Well, David's enemies and the enemies of these men um, see this as a great idea to go and say, like, by the way, these guys aren't doing it. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get caught up in this. And, you know, there's that famous saying in song, I think it's by Mercy Me, like, even if, like, we know that our God is able to save us from whatever punishment you're going to give us. And he said, we're going to throw you into a fiery furnace if you will not bow before this God. We know that even if our God decides not to save us, we will never serve this false God or serve you. That's never going to be our priority. So the fire is heated up. They're tossed in. The men who throw them in are themselves killed because the heat is so bad. And they're in there untouched. And at one point, Nebuchadnezzar sees somebody, a fourth being or person that, you know, a lot of us believe was Christ with them walking around in that fire. They come out, they don't even smell like smoke. Not a single hair on their head has been singed and they're perfectly intact and uninjured in any way. And Nebuchadnezzar had to say like, your God really is the real God. Not that he ever professed his, um, his devotion or acceptance of the God of Israel or God of the Hebrew people, but these men who stuck together, they prayed together through many circumstances. They went into that furnace together. It was really a friendship tested by fire. And we all want those kinds of friends in our life, but we all need to think about being those kinds of friends too. Yeah, that's so good. And and I was just going to say, we really do need to be in a circle of friends like that, that uh, share the same beliefs that we do um, about Jesus Christ and are not willing to back down on that because it can be hard. Let's face it. We talk yeah. about peer pressure as teens, but it's hard regardless. Our society is so drastically changing to the, uh, just to accept anything and to, you know, to bow down to those idols. Um, by the way, I do love that song. And I think that's probably why is because even if I, I know that, that God is there for me, even if I want to touch on something else, and this is more personal um, in the book, each chapter, you share some, some personal stories um, that fit in with the story itself. And uh, in the book, I think it was in the chapter of Job, you talked about one of the darkest periods in your life um, when you received the words, there is no cure. Um, can you share with us what you learned at that moment? I'm sure that everybody, yeah, they get to, you get to a dark place, whether it's yeah. losing your career or being fired, whether it's getting that diagnosis yourself, there's no cure losing somebody that you desperately love in your life. I mean, there are dark, dark valleys. And um, in the context of Job, we talk about all that he lost in his family and his friends and how he walked through this horrible, bitter time of suffering. And I think we can go a lot of ways. I have friends that have really struggled to say, how could God allow this in my family or in my life? I, when I walked through that darkest part for me, I was in a ton of physical pain. I finally got a diagnosis and found out there was not going to be a cure for me. Um, for whatever reason in my life, God was faithful. I did not, well, I know he's always going to be faithful, but for whatever reason, I didn't feel pulled away from him. I felt pushed toward him through that because I knew there was nothing in an earthly sense. Um, my amazing husband who was with me through all of this medications, whatever, like there was nothing that was going to save me from this. And at a complete meltdown that I had, as I left that doctor's office after giving, getting that news, just sobbing in the car, I felt God say in my spirit, I will be with you. 
not, I'm going to heal you. This is going away. Your life's going to be easy, but just, I'm going to be with you. And I think that's the promise he makes us for whatever painful struggle that we're going through, whether it's emotional or physical or financial or whatever it is. Um, he is always going to be with us. And he was there with Job. I mean, as Job struggled and his friends tried to struggle to make sense of why he was suffering so much, God was always in Job's corner and he is with us as believers. And I knew that he was, and he has been faithful through um, my struggle to manage this. Yeah. I think, uh, as you said, we all experience those times, and um, I think we all look for that healing. Whatever that is, that thing is, we always look for the positive outcome. Um, And it's harder to accept that God says, no, that's not my plan, um, as he did for you. Um, I think when we get to that place, that even if place, I think that's when we really can learn. Um, I, I'll say for me personally, that's when I learn the most. When I'm going through a difficult time, I want to cling to God and say, I know that you're here. Teach me through this. And a lot of times that happens. We, we get that, that more uh, intimate relationship with the Lord because we understand things that we might not have understood before. Um, for my wife and I, that was 15 years of infertility, and we kept going, God, God why? Why is this happening? Um, but looking back now with two children, I can see all the, not all the answers, I can see lots of answers that we had then. Mm-hmm. And so I know that a lot of people listening are looking for hope, so I want to just share that, you know, uh, your story, that, uh, you know, hanging on, clinging to God's word, and looking for him in that dark storm, um, that'll give you that'll give us hope. And also, like you said, with Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and, and Daniel, um, find that circle of friends that will be there to lift you up. That's so important. So I think when you put all of your stories together, you walk away and close this book and go, "Man, that is so hopeful, so hopeful." Thank you. I sure hope so because who doesn't need that? Who didn't yeah. need it before COVID and who certainly doesn't need it now after sure. the last, you know, three really tough years of a ton of loss for people that they've been through. And like I said, being broken apart from community and those things that we have to reestablish those bonds and, you know, um, cultivate new friendships and find ways to be vulnerable and transparent. Um, it, like you said, I think in the toughest times are when we learn the most. And I think that's true of the relationships too. Like when we're in the most uncomfortable place, which is yeah. often being vulnerable and transparent and honest with people that's where the friendship bonds grow even deeper. So there is good to be gained through discomfort and through pain. And God knows that it just sometimes takes us a while to figure it out. Yeah. Especially when you're hard headed, like myself, <laughs> uh, like most of us, we come out of like the womb, of us, selfish. Yeah. We know everything. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I want to, I want to briefly go through uh, just so people know um, romantic love. We're talking about song of Solomon, Samson and Delilah. You mentioned Adam and Eve, Joseph and Mary, Esther and King Xerxes, um, Ruth and Boaz and David and Abigail. And then we move on to friendship, love, David and Jonathan, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Um, the friendships of Paul, another great chapter, Job and his friends, and then Jesus and John. Um, get this book. I'm telling you, I don't often say that. If I, I don't say it if I don't believe it. I really believe this is a book you need to get because this is one I'm going to go back to and read through over and over um, because there are those golden nuggets in there that just you can take with you through life and um, glean from. So, 
Shannon, do you have any other projects coming up you want to tell us about? You know what? I have started on a fiction book, which I've never done before, and I don't know if it will ever see the light of day, Um, but it was one of those things that I had noodled around with an idea, and I sat up out of bed one day, and this whole story had come to me, and um, it can only be from the Lord, so I'm going to try to figure it out and do it justice. I've never written fiction before. It'll probably take me a little bit longer to do that, but I have so many people that I admire as you know, Christian fiction authors, people like um, Karen Kingsbury and Joel Rosenberg. And people that um, I admire so much, their ability to communicate, you know, truths and um, educate you through these fiction books that you're, you're enjoying them so much, you know, you're actually learning as you go and being entertained at the same time. So I can really appreciate those books. So we'll see if I can put this story together and do the same maybe down the road. Very cool. Looking forward to that. Shannon, I know you're busy. Um, you know, you can see Shannon every Sunday on Fox News Sunday at 2 o'clock Eastern. Be sure and subscribe to Living the Bream. Living the Bream. Not not an end there. Living the Bream, which I love. I subscribe to that. I listen to that. I love that. And also, this Tuesday, get your copy of Love Stories of the Bible Speak. Um, we'll have show notes, links in the show notes for that. Um, I know you're going to enjoy that as well. Um, Shannon, thank you so much for joining us and sharing these important stories and for the encouragement that it brings. Um, Again, we really appreciate your time. Thank you. And thank you for all the hope that you're putting out into the world. It's so desperately needed. So God bless you. Thank you, Shannon.